0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold, coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! (laughs) don't want to be This <laughs> ain't no whole sweet home. It's a whole sweet misery. We knew when we got here. They tried to pull us away. But when they see us walk down the street, they ran the other way. That's free. L-O-T-A. That's free. In the whole U.S.A. That's free. Nasty and hot. The good guy that black you ain't the better you got Silver, no oh,
1: daddy, I'm back. Zom's back, and I'm sick again. Welcome, welcome. I am the loaf. I am snotty. He is Dr. Zom, and his belly is full of Salmon Rushdie.
2: Salmon Rushdie's satanic semen. Yeah. Salmon Rushdie's satanic semen.
1: This week on the show, we're doing some uh, traditional style black exploitation. Uh, Trick baby from nineteen seventy and two, and across one hundred and tenth Street from nineteen seventy and two. Yeah, Some, how are you, sir?
2: Err, everything is a, a, a grand. It's beautiful out. I just went and for went for a ride a little bit and as soon as I walked out the door it's real cloudy and I thought, Motherfucker But it did not rain on my head.
1: <laughs> did it add a nice little cool breeze?
2: <laughs> did it add, what?
1: Add a nice little cool breeze, the overcast sky
2: uh, it was all right. It was it was not bad and um came back, cooked some fish, cooked some rice uh well just like the uh shit you put in the microwave rice and uh i just had some salmon so now i'm pretty bloated even though i'm getting skinnier i have a pooch good job
1: mm-hmm. uh, well you know um yeah i watched a i watched a movie this week featuring a a funny little pooch we'll get into that um i uh got the funk again myself um after recording this show and gentleman's guide on sunday yeah. um The uh, Monday I started feeling a little weird, and uh, by Monday night I was sick as shit. I think I had the flu or something. I'm still getting over it now because I had, you know, feverish and aches and fucking just laying around with the iPad, just sweating and (laughs) sleeping twelve hours at a time. So
2: Mm. I like to sleep twelve hours at a time, but not because I'm sick.
1: Because I have yeah that feverish like Nyquil haze. um, You dream about some weird stuff. Like what? Um, well, uh, I, di- I dreamed that I was riding um, uh, my old school bus with my brother. Now, my mm-hmm. brother and I only went to the same school for one year uh, because of our age difference. Um, but in this dream, we were both our current age, but we were riding the school bus home, and our bus stop was about maybe half a mile from our house. So... um in the dream, I'm riding the bus uh, with my brother and there's a guy teaching, uh, like giving us like a sociology lesson and I wasn't paying attention at all. Ooh. And on the walk home from the bus stop, I realized <sighs> that we had a mail-in quiz that I had to take mm-hmm. on what I just learned on the bus. And um, my uh, when I got home, my mom was painting the house and my cat that died maybe 15 years ago also ran up to the driveway to greet us like a dog. And I asked my mom about the take home quiz, and she said that it was very difficult to get and that it had not arrived in the mail yet and um And also in the same dream, I was trying to load up on socks from my old bedroom to take back home um and my mom was getting pissed that I was taking a bunch of socks out of my room so
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that means you're gay probably,
1: nah, probably. that's what i thought um so uh what have you been watching this? Long, long week since we have been recorded.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I don't have a lot. <clears throat> I did watch um, uh, one that I had watched before uh, with Rod Steiger as a very rich businessman who is about to get fucking uh, uh, probably thrown in prison for like uh, embezzlement or whatever, tax fraud, something I can't remember. And he decides to take off and go down to Omejo to get the fuck out of there and uh, kind of dodging the uh, dodging Uncle Sam and shit. And um, he uh, is riding on a train, and uh, another guy's on the train, so he decides that he's going to slip this guy at Mickey and steal his identity so when he goes down to Mexico. So anyway, it's called Across the Bridge. Very good. Has a good dog in it. Good dog love <laughs> uh kind of goodness in it. Um, I watched two episodes of the new, which I think, I was going to say the new hit TV show, and I'm sure it probably is a hit, and it was going to be, is the TV show Hannibal with Mads Mikkelsen. Is it Mads? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mads, yep. Yeah, Mads. Um and um he plays on a and uh Larry Fishburne is Jack Crawford. Uh the um oh the the reporter, the uh tabloid reporter that was played by Stephen Lang in the first one, I think. And in the second one, was it Philip Seymour Hoffman? I can't remember, or Red Dragon or whatever. But anyway, oh, yeah. what's that guy's name. They okay. kind of, they kind of, they twisted it up, and just for shits and giggles, and made it a chick. This show is fucking. I can't believe, and I, Sammy and I were talking about this on the group. Was I can't believe the amount of gore, the crazy, <laughs> weird, gory stuff, and it's on TV now. This would have been a fucking rated R movie.
1: What as? Uh, far as what channel does it come on?
2: I don't know. I watch it on Comcast in Demand because I never, you know, I always forget <clears throat> forget what channel it's on or so I can just watch it whenever I want. Okay, I watched a documentary, uh, thirty for thirty on ESPN called You Don't Know Bo about Bo Jackson. Very good. And I was actually watching some of it again before we got on the air. Uh it's pretty good. Pretty pretty legendary, kind of almost like a Paul Bunyan esque character uh, except for his hip and that was not paul Bunyanesque. um and then i watched some uh, boston bruins versus the buffalo sabres yeah. and the philadelphia flyers against the new york rangers and uh you know i don't know uh the the flyers <laughs> they, they of course now they're winning they got a new goalie and uh uh you know he was playing very pretty awesome and um uh, but anyway it's just a matter of you know uh, what's going to happen in the off season and everything uh and that's about it i didn't really watch that much cuz i didn't give a fuck that's all right <laughs> it's just it was a short week and, and uh we had to crunch in the two that we were going to review and listening to some some podcasting shit nothing else going
1: on the but um The ones I was, the movies that I was going to mention last week, um, I held off because I was doing Gentleman's Guide right after our show, but um, I watched uh, Terminal Rush, which is a Don the Dragon Wilson and Roddy Piper action movie, straight to video. Uh, We reviewed that on the show. Um, Good stuff. So if you want to check out the Gentleman's Guide, I know they they always need our our promo help. So, Um, and we also watched Crazy Thunder Road, which is a really bizarre, like punk rock themed Japanese film. Um, unlike us, their doubles have nothing to do with each other. And those two movies are pretty fucking far apart. So, um, so the, by the same director of crazy thunder road, I also watched burst city, which is about two hours long of fucking screaming and noise. And you know, if you remember our, um, Zom, if you remember our review of, um, uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man, it's a similar, Uh similar kind of Mm. feel to the movie. This one's not as weird and like that, but it's, you know. It's like there's like a gang war or kind of a huge gang war between a group of punk rockers, a group of of Yakuza, and a group of like mutant bikers, kind of like Mad Max style. Um, it's good if you like that kind of movie, but it's long. So <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I watched... So I started my, my, I guess, cinematic shame list ABCs this week. And this one's going to take me a little longer to get through, but as I figure out movies that I probably should have seen by now. I mean, not all of these are going to be masterpieces, but you know, I like, uh, I like watching my movies on a theme and, um, being able to go through the alphabet here. Just, you know, uh, I had my, my, my five list from Will earlier in the year, but this, I'm adding some more here. So, um, I watched, uh, the, cri- or <laughs> I bought the Criterion Blue of Army of Shadows, um, the Melville French film. Um, and it's still sitting downstairs, and since I was sick, I just watched it on Hulu Plus on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like getting out of bed, so I watched it that way. Um, this is good. I didn't give it a fair chance, though, because I really felt like shit. It's a little over two hours long, and it's it's about the French resistance during World War II and certain individuals it follows around. And um, I'm, I'd be curious to see how much of this... Uh, is autobiographical because I know Melville was part of the resistance in the, in World War II, which is pretty interesting. So.
2: Vive la résistance!
1: Vive la résistance! And uh, so my ABC B, I watched Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I've never seen this movie. Uh, it's pretty good. I know, I know, it, it escaped me, and I, I got a good one for C too that I'd never seen. Um, this is um, uh, Eddie Murphy at his height. And I, you know, whenever I see these old films with him, I gotta wonder what the hell ever happened to him because he lost something by the late '80s. I don't know. You know, he he went safe, I guess. Yeah, real safe.
2: No, doesn't curse anymore. He doesn't do blue humor.
1: <sighs> yeah, and there's lots of lots of curse words in this one, and he does a hilarious <laughs> um, he does a hilarious uh, almost like Richard Pryor esque scene in one of them. I, I know the Richard Pryor was a was a um an idol of his but he does like a drunk voice in it and it, it sounded exactly like richard Pryor. It was really funny um see i watched cool hand luke paul newman i would never seen this one um and this is the the pooch i was talking about when he eats, when he eats the eggs <laughs> and ain't big, nobody can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> his big old belly sticking out this is a cool movie um Bryn, Bryn, Bryn mentioned that he was into it until he re, until he like learned that it was about Jesus but the, the Jesus iconography is pretty pa- apparent in it. So um
2: Did you see um Joe Don Baker in there?
1: I did. I saw Joe Don he Baker. He wasn't
2: even credited. Now how the fuck and he had a he had speaking. He I, had like words.
1: I feel like Jack Nicholson was in there too.
2: Oh, Dennis Hopper was.
1: Dennis Hopper definitely was. Uh,
2: Wayne Rogers, Trapper John from MASH. Yeah, and uh, lots of people. The, uh, dad from the Waltons. This
1: is full of them. But yeah, the I, I, was Jack Nicholson in there? Because he, I don't think so. Well, there's a, okay, there's a scene where, and I... I've uh, seen
2: this movie five million times and it's one of my favorite movies. So just tell me and I'll know exactly what you're talking
1: about. Okay. When he, when Luke goes and talks to his dying mother in the truck. Right. And uh, the guy that drives the truck, you never see his face. You only see him in profile and he says like, he says like one thing as before he drives off. Hmm. And it looked like Jack Nicholson.
2: No, well, you sure you weren't sick and dreaming of socks? It was. Again? It
1: could. It could have been. It could have been.
2: could have been, so- been socks. A fever How about? Okay. How about <clears throat> the fucking um, the uh, the 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 guards. You get your mind right, Luke. And then the guy with the sunglasses. Talk about some evil mean ass people. Oh my god.
1: I, I watched so many movies with evil mean ass people this and the two movies we watched this week, I was just like so pissed at authority figures and stuff. Oh They're man. fucking pigs.
2: Yeah. Um so it's what you get for cutting the top off a goddamn fucking uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> parking meters. That was really chair. that was really weird. <laughs> well, just like walking circles. He's bored. Just yeah, very bored. Wow. So and I watched those ABCs in reverse. I started with Cool Hand Luke, and by the time I got the Army of Shadows, I was really feeling sick. So I decided to put the list on hold because I wasn't really giving these movies a fair shot. So I went more trashy just so I could kind of halfway pay attention. Um, I've got this Mill Creek Sunny Chiba set, um, and I watched one of those, The Ninja Wars. This is this is almost like it's like a Japanese wusha. um, like flying swords and magic and shit. Uh, it's pretty good. Doesn't really make a lot of sense sometimes, but there's like one ninja that I, I guess he's a ninja. He looks like Raiden from uh, from Mortal Kombat, wears the big like domed hat, and but he's he spits the stuff. It it looks like he's vomiting, but it turns into like a hard candy shell on somebody's face <laughs> yeah. to like suffocate them. Lots of ninja magic and stuff, and. Um, It was pretty cool, and Chiba has a handlebar mustache in it, which is pretty funny, and wears this ridiculous big black wig at the end. Um, He's a samurai in it, so not a ninja. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I watched... um, I swear I watched something else in there. Maybe not. Uh, Tough and Deadly. Uh, This is uh, Billy Blanks and Roddy Piper. And this this movie is pretty hilarious. Roddy Piper gets in like 800 fights in it, and... Uh, there's a really funny scene where the two of them fight in an office, but they don't actually show them really fighting. All you'll see is like you'll see Roddy Piper run, and then you'll see the camera will move over to the other side of the room, and Billy Blanks goes flying into the wall, and then he'll run back, and you'll see Roddy Piper like crash into the wall and break his hit, break the glass on a picture. It's it's there's some fucking wild explosions at the end. I mean, it's it is a good one. We should review a couple Blanks Piper movies someday. So they look they they work well together. Um. <clears throat> and then the last thing i watched this morning was uh vashi khan which is turkish first blood <laughs> <And> oh god <laughs> we need to review this one too it's it's there's hardly a break in it it's all action it's only an hour and 10 minutes in on or long and um there's i mean so much death and uh you know tasteful quote unquote nudity in it cuz they don't really ever show nudity and uh in Turkish movies, but anytime they get a chance to show panties, they will. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty bad, but it's good. So, and that was it. <clears throat> that was my week. If I, I, I would have been shorter, honestly, if I didn't have a, uh, if I wasn't sick, but, uh, listen to some Red Sox baseball. They're on a nice little winning streak. Watch some games. That was fun. <clears throat> and yeah, then I'm back to work tomorrow. Chocks. <clears throat> yep. So <clears throat> why don't we take a <clears> throat> break? Throat> Yeah, okay. And uh, come back and review Trick Baby.
2: Trick Baby. We'll be right back.
0: When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Into the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think the centuries is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal... You need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. Here's one that's going to make you cry. Little Hoddums walking down the street, I wonder if they'll meet and get together. Little Hoddums making lots of noise, playing with the boys, hoping it will be forever. Flies upon the wall, and look at all those little hot arms when they fall inside your pants. Is where the party is for
2: all,
0: and they will never know what it is like to shoot their water through the night. I'm
1: blaming heaven's trash for that one. yeah thanks. All right, our first movie of the day. <laughs> Uh, Is uh, Trick Baby, Um, Would you like to introduce
2: Two Philadelphia con men try to evade gangsters They have conned and cops Who are trying to put them in jail
1: So Will told us to watch these movies And you know what I'm glad he did Because I had never seen them And I believe you had not either
2: I hadn't seen them either.
1: Um, I'm glad that I watched them. So this is uh, this is based on a novel of the same what? name, I believe. Um, this uh, stars Keel Martin as White Folks or something O'Brien, John O'Brien maybe, and uh, Mel Stewart as Blue Howard. Also has a. a The chick that played Will Smith's mom in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You get to see her titties once, so that was pretty cool.
2: You saw Will Smith's mom's titties? (laughs) The
1: the more famous Will Smith. What? The tanner Will Smith.
2: Okay. okay. What?
1: (laughs) What? Um, So, uh, Trick Baby. This is ridiculous. This is getting out of hand. <clears throat> Directed by Larry Yust 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 Something He didn't direct a whole lot Not seen anything else That he did um, I don't know that this is I, I guess this is exploitation. It's definitely a Racial Movie I don't know that it were. It's. I don't know Maybe Maybe it is But it's about two Grifters You know When it's con men These guys These guys are Always running a scam Of some sort and it really relies on the the ability of both of them to be likable and believable. And both of them, in particular, I thought Mel Stewart as Blue were really fucking good when they would be on. If that makes sense, like um, like us, right, right, because we're just unbelievably uh, horrible when we're not on. So, um, but the. Man, I stink. I need to pour some deodorant. I haven't worn deodorant in like three days.
2: That's okay. I farted. I can't smell it. <laughs> okay.
1: The, um, <laughs> uh, but, so you have, uh, you have White Folks, who is a, who's, who's the younger of the, t- of the duo, and um, that's a, he has a funny name. And he's also known as Trick Baby, and he says that later in the movie. He's like, they call me, they call me White Folks. Uh, I'm known as Trick Baby to my enemies. Um, because I guess that's kind of a, a, a play on you know, Johns and that whole thing, like you know, running a scam or you know, getting somebody to buy into something. And um, he is born of a black prostitute from a white John who he never knew. Now <clears throat> he might be the whitest black man I've ever seen, which you just kind of have to go with it. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't actually just use a person who was, you know, had a black mom and white dad, but I guess they needed him to look really white. I don't know. But, um, Mel Stewart, uh, blue is kind of, he kind of raised him, found him when he was young, maybe on the street or whatever, and kind of brought him up and taught him the, the name of the game, the, the grift and they worked together. Um, there's a really cool line from blue in it. um, <clears throat> when he says, uh, uh, what, it, what was it? I, I have it written down here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, you know, with, oh, he says, with your, with, with your complexion and my smarts, we're going to, where well, the sky's the limit, or something, you know, with my, with your complexion and my brains. So basically, what they do, they use the fact, but that's where the movie becomes racial because they use white folks, um, appearance he can when he can definitely pass as a white guy to get into certain groups and be trusted in a, in a way that maybe at the time a black man couldn't which adds a definite interesting twist to the story
2: mm-hmm.
1: um when the, when the movie opens I, I wasn't sure exactly what was going on and you, you learn it pretty quick but uh, but uh it, it's kind of a i guess setting the stage they do that you know they do that a lot in these sorts of movies where you have a little intro scene that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the rest of the movie. It just kind of like establishes characters. And that's what this one does where they rip a guy off of, well, you know what? This does have a, this does have a thing because it does keep coming back. It gets a cop involved. It gets certain mobsters involved, but, um, they con a guy out of a lot of money by selling him fake jewelry. And what I think they do really well is acting like they don't know each other. Um, both of them, are very convincing, meaning white folks and blue, uh, when they're playing their certain roles. Um, but the, uh, blue at the, when the movie opens is playing this, I don't know. He's, he's kind of a, he, he's staying in a hotel and they're going in there and white folks has this guy with him that's thinking he's going to buy a bunch of jewelry and they act like they rip him, rip uh, blue off of all this money, uh, wow. by buying the jewelry for super cheap. And then when the guy goes and sells it, tries to sell it to a fence, he realizes the movie, you know the, he's bought he's just paid ten grand for a, a bunch of glass jewelry and both of them split the money and blah blah blah. So <clears throat> when you first when you first see Blue and I was wondering why they why he would have been called that, but when they show him in his hotel lobby and that you see it a couple times he has the worst fucking like they they use the to make guys look older they use that like hair spray paint stuff to make yeah. his make him have gray hair and it looks awful I, and, I, and I was like oh that's why they call him blue I guess because his gray hair actually looks blue but man it just looked like they used blue paint in his hair and it looked really bad um but you know they meet back up in the in the lobby and he's wearing uh, he's wearing his nice suit and stuff now and they go upstairs and um no it seemed like Cleo didn't know he didn't. She that she didn't know uh, white folks when he came up there. Like, why are you working with him? Kind of thing. Even though Blue and him had been married, it, maybe he. Had, I, I think he had been gone a while. He'd been in Chicago mm-hmm. or something. They'd been split up. Um, but that was my note. So white folks is supposed to be. I mixed. thought
2: you were going to say that was my nose. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that was my nose.
1: And I wrote C- Cleo's see-through bra. Nom nom nom. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So I like his, I like, I like Blue's line uh, when she walks in, she's been taking a nap in her underwear and uh, she walks in and and Blue says, Hey baby, where you been with your bad self? (laughs) I was like, wow, that sounds like something somebody now would say lame, you know? Um, But it was pretty funny. The, um, so the, what, what, what becomes interesting in this movie, what the twist that I like is that. Setting in motion the ripping off this kind of relative of mobsters in Philadelphia of jewelry, they get this um cop involved, but the cop is a black guy. And man, now I don't know either. I, I haven't decided, you know, when you, you we mentioned it when I, when I was talking about Cool Hand Luke, but this cop in this is such a bastard. He, he was unbelievable. He's really good. He's he's made, played by, what was his name? Dallas something. Or no, that was his name in the movie. Um, played by Dot Murray. Dallas Edward Hayes is the name of the character. And he is such an asshole. Um, he just rides these guys all the time. Like, and it's not like he's doing like, I'm going to turn you in this. He is completely corrupt. And he follows them around basically all the time. he's like basically, give me five thousand now, or I'm telling you know don Pirelli. what was the what was the name of the of the um the big high up gangster that they uh do you remember his name that he uh, kept,
2: cause I'm getting fucking both movies mixed up
1: that he was Nino turn, Pirelli? Nino Pirelli. maybe that was it is
2: it Nino wow oh.
1: he kept threatening to turn them in uh by being the guy that ripped off their friend. Uh, oh, and that guy, the old guy that got ripped off ended up having a heart attack because he was so stressed about getting ripped off of money and having a, and being in a car accident. And I guess only in 70s New York or Philadelphia could you be in the middle of a city and still run your car on a big pile of dirt and trash. <laughs> you don't Damn. see that so
2: often now, but. Back then, you probably did it all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a shithole. Really,
1: really disgusting locale. And, the, and that's a, that's a really nice element of this movie and the preview and, uh, the previous movie and across 110th street the the setting like in this one philadelphia like they make it look about as grimy and gross as it can be you know they're running down alleys and stuff the streets are always like wet but always have garbage all over them The inside of some of the buildings is just really run down and gross and some really good stuff um but, uh, I guess, I guess in the black exploitation vein, you do get a lot of, I guess, over the top racist whiteness, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, you get this interesting, uh, discussion, I guess, at a dinner party of these guys talking about, uh, it's kind of like liberal versus conservative. And it was kind of, you know, you, as you're watching, you're like, Jesus Christ. But the, you know, one of the liberal guys says, um if we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he may become a leader against us. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, white folks is at this dinner party with this girl that he has picked up and basically conned into fucking him in a hotel room. (laughs) Um, Oh, and he conned this hotel room too. He's, you know, he, uh, poses as somebody he isn't obviously and, uh, lays down the money he just got from the jewelry, the jewelry heist and gets into the presidential suite And, um, the, um, so he, they set up this kind of, not kind of this real estate scheme, um, where they're going to rip these well off white guys off, you know, they're going to sell off these, this, these deeds to this land that, that they believe they're led to believe is going to be a huge turnaround when they develop it into a shopping, shopping mall or whatever they were planning on. But, um. As they're as they're kind of going along, and that's the big story in the film. But as they're kind of going along, there's some really interesting uh, ways they shoot things. Um, lots of like there's a few instances where they kind of do quick shots back and forth, comparing things because um, uh, white folks in blue often they often split up, um, doing their own thing for a few before they meet back up, but. You know, there's one scene where Folks is you know, I mentioned the girl he conned into banging him in the hotel room. But it you know, there's a there's it shows him and then it flips immediately back to blue fucking Cleo. I and mean, she looks about as uninterested as she can. <laughs> she's got she's like staring at the ceiling. And and it goes I mean, it's like, you know, three seconds of Folks, three seconds of blue back and forth. And then there's um showing that like at the parties you have the the white people at the party kind of just like it looks like this like stiff party. Nobody's really just uh, kind of walking around chatting. And then you have the, uh, blue and his friends at a bar kind of like dancing and singing. And then you have back at the party, you have them talking about real estate and it flips over to blue at a poker game doing his thing. So it was pretty interesting the way they kept flipping back and forth. And I guess showing how like blues influence on, on, uh, on white folks, maybe I'm not sure. Um, because he did kind of teach white folks everything he knows. So, but, um, <clears throat> that that's when you're at the, at the bar, I mentioned that's when the cop kind of comes into play, he demands money and they looked really silly. This whole thing that, that blue sets up, uh, but they look really silly. They both walk out of the bar holding an envelope, but they're, they're going to mail. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we'll walk out together. And they're both have both hands on the envelope as they're walking out the door. Um, but that's what I really liked best about Blue is how fast they had the character think on his feet. There's several times in the movie where he has to come up with something like immediately, and telling a story or whatever. You know, the the there's guys at the end Uma when he said, you know, he points them basically he's misdirection, and I'm not going to go into that one too much, but kind of pointing them in a diff- another direction to find somebody. Um, But the, um, in the in he was that too. way, yeah, basically. The and then this one, like, you know, figuring out how he can keep from having to give the asshole cop five grand. It was pretty neat. Um They um in the middle of their, I guess, real estate heist, some things go wrong. Uh the cop plays a part in this too, because he's really he's really pissed. Like he's he's really riding them. He hasn't figured out yet that they've ripped him off, but Still, uh, still making making trouble for them, and they miss they miss a certain time frame that they needed, and uh, they so they have to you know get some uh, money somehow, so they do do another kind of um. What the hell! I just heard this weird squeaking sound. That's why I just turned around. <laughs> um, and I, I forgot what they called it—the pigeoning or something like that. Was that the what they called it, that one guy? But it really gets. Like this is a sign that things may be getting out of hand, what happens with this guy. But um That but was it, your nose. It was my it probably was my nose. It was really funny though. I love that breaking the fourth wall moment with what happens with that guy where they, they both go running in opposite directions. And you have this guy uh in a white trench coat looking back and forth. He looks to his left and you see white folks running in one way, he looks to his right, he sees uh, blue running in the other direction. Then the guy looks straight at the camera and goes, God damn. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was was pretty funny, but the movie takes a turn, uh, at this point it gets a lot more serious. Um, and it's done really well. The last little bit here of kind of getting a little desperate and getting, um, you really feel the tension building. There's a fantastic foot chase through alleys and stuff. Um, with a character who's been wounded. Um, it was really, I thought that was really well done. And that was, that's where you can really see like the, like the trash and shit in the city as they're running through different, what, different alleys and stuff. Uh, <laughs> there's a funny line from blue later in the movie. He says, uh, both of those dudes run second to King Kong in a beauty contest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even, even when blue's talking to a friend of his, like it, you really get a sense that he's just making the story up as he goes along. I really like that that scene. It's this preacher guy, this street preacher, and I don't know if the story was true or not that he's telling him, but it's very believable, and it's like sign of a of a good actor, I think, but Mel Stewart just being that like as he's talking and stuff, he's believable, even for me, even though I know he's a character playing a character, but he's just um he was really impressive, I thought, but um. Like, you know the, the the movie kind of focuses around the whole like falling apart of the real estate at the same time the cop just riding them and I thought it was pretty well done. Every uh, you know they end up having more and more balls in the air as they're juggling and that they're juggling and um, I thought I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. But um, what did you think? Ball juggling. Ball juggling.
2: Um, I thought this was pretty good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I, for the life of me, uh, for probably up until right before the show went on the air, thought that Kyle Martin was Dean Martin's son. He actually was not, he was married to Dean Martin's daughter. And his real name is Kyle Urban Mueller. (laughs) And he just used Martin as his stage name because he was on Hill Street. He was like one of the main characters on Hill Street Blues for years. So anyway, that was enlightening to me. I was enlightened. Um, Mel Stewart was uh, on The Jeffersons. He was – who the fuck was he? um, He was goddamn – or no, All in the Family. He was – God damn it was he the first George Jefferson? No, he was Henry Jefferson. He was uh Weezy's brother in law. Okay. They didn't they didn't when they first came on or either that or Sherman Hemsley They hadn't introduced his character yet. That's right, because he was
1: like I remember that it was very early on in that show, and he was like on a business trip or he was too busy or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they
2: would have they would have him come on there. Um, So anyway, okay, now to get to the story. Okay, you have some very nice fashion because (laughs) of course you know you get some pimp pimpish outfits and and some stuff like that. Um, There was one Uh. guy who was like a. I didn't understand if he was actually some kind of a judge or some kind of a politician or something, but he was always threatening Blue saying, I will tell you know, these judges, if you don't pay me off, I'll tell everything I know, and then you'll go to prison. And it was another African-American older guy that he would talk to in a bar, and the guy basically oh, – right, it, right. it was pretty much like even though these guys were in uh, – did the con – Word would always get out about this or that, and they always had people with their hands out. Yeah, like that guy, you had to grease the wheels, even if you were successful. Uh, and the mark didn't even know that you conned them. There would be corrupt cops, there would be like this guy who said, You know, I'll, 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 you know, keep the judges quiet or whatever, or I won't tell right, or whatever right. like that. So anyway, that was kind of a pain in the ass for them. And it was, the story was kind of like, um, oh you know, they're always looking for, um, is in a lot of these stories, uh, one last big score and they had a big score with the, the guy at the beginning with the jewelry, <laughs> but, um, then they just kind of fall into the real estate thing. It was almost like more of a of a just a quinky dink because um uh white folks uh hooked up with that chick who looked kinda like just like kinda like almost like a school teacher or something, but she did have some perky fucking tits. <laughs> you know, for, for, for a chick that, you know, not not any makeup or anything, kind of, you know, dirty blonde hair or whatever. And she was she was supposed to be she was freaking out. Because for some reason she was she was buying fabric or some kind of clothes or stuff like that uh, down in Harlem or not Harlem it was in Philadelphia but in the bad section oh yeah you dig and she couldn't get a taxi cab and then they showed like all the eyes watching her and she's like oh my god oh my god I'm to I've got to get-, get out of here like she was shitting herself because she was stuck on the street you know and um you know Whitey, Whitey down on the street. Edding will go. You know what I'm saying? She wanted to get the fuck out. So, anyway, you also had, um oh, what the hell's his name on Goddamn the Love Boat? Ted Lang, who played, um not Gopher. Jesus Christ. He was the black bartender on fucking Love
1: Boat. All right.
2: What was his name?
1: On Love Boat? I don't remember.
2: Oh, my God. Love I'll look Boat. It where the hell's Love Boat? Okay, he played Isaac, bartender Isaac Washington. Okay, he was in this, and that's the funny thing. Like some of these movies, uh, so, uh, you would see um, guys that you had seen in like seventies uh, TV shows, and they would, you know, they were in like these these movies, you know, which is pretty cool because I mean he he is like synonymous with being uh, Isaac on Love Boat, but shit, you know, because he was on there for years, but I mean, you know, I'm sure he was in some of the stiff. So anyway, Trick Baby, um, the one scene that really stands, well, first of all, and I wanted to kind of, I guess, confirm this with you or ask you your opinion, I didn't understand how they were going to get the money out of the safety deposit boxes.
1: Oh yeah, I didn't. I, I got lost there too. Because
2: it said something. They, they the 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 people that were putting up the money, the rich white guys, didn't want to lose their money, and they said, "Okay, well, we'll put it in a safety deposit box, and we'll each sign our names, and we'll each get a key or something like that." So.
1: And why that relied them getting on the bank and stuff, I, I wasn't sure. Right.
2: Yeah, so that the, they they couldn't open it unless both unless one of the white guys was there, one of right, you know right. uh, of the con <laughs> people was there. But they were supposed to be back at a certain time, and if they got back by that time, they'd be able to get it. But if they didn't, you know, I don't know. So I could, I I think it got a little bit muddled there, like as far as what was but it did give like a it did give a tension thing yeah. because they were trying to get back there and then you have the asshole cop who doesn't know any of that shit's going on and he's just being you know he's just fucking uh, uh trying to get his cut and they they kind of they kind of got him going and and uh and all the shit's going on at the same time now uh the one part that i really liked that i really remember there, well there was two but this is you know one of the main ones was when one of the characters gets wounded and you had mentioned about you know them you know the, the trashy area and stuff yeah, like that yeah. but uh, him trying to elude yeah, the that, guy who's the, chasing the him
1: the foot chase is really yeah, good yeah
2: it was really good because I mean the way it was shot and everything and going you know down these back alleys and shit plus um, uh, the part where you know he makes it uh, up to like the subway tracks and the train's not there and here comes the guy, but the train's coming and it's like, Oh fuck. And the way they built the tension there was really good. Um, and there were, well, I, I can't really say what, there was one line toward the end of this that I really liked that had a lot to do with, uh, with racism where, um, somebody says you know is that the, is that the other guy and they're and 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 it's almost like oh, somebody right, gets right, a pass right. just because they're white you know because they're like you know no that's not him that 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 guy, that's a white guy
0: you know where
2: right. and and that's the same thing like we, what you were saying about uh them as a as a team of con men is that um it kind of worked that way where The white guy, as long as he's dressed a certain way and talks a certain way, immediately gets that pass, like that country club kind of – but, um, you know, it would be almost like if there was an African-American in the room and everybody would just act prim and proper. And then as soon as the guy leaves, they're like, oh, can you believe that, you know, blah, blah, blah was in here. Oh, my God. You know, right. like a country club, white kind of country club kind of a thing, which is like a natural thing, I think. But anyway, uh, that's about all I have. Like I said, I, it was weird because I watched this one and then the next – night watched the other one and as we were talking about this one as you were talking i kept thinking wait a minute wasn't that in this one and i (laughs) kind of got it mixed up a little bit but anyway but yeah yeah i liked it though i thought it was good it it's not um to me it didn't seem as low budget and it's it's now i would say across 110th street in, if you wanted to lump everything as black exploitation i would say that's really high end yeah this yeah. is somewhere in the middle and then you got like fred the hammer and stuff like that which is you know lower budget uh really guerrilla Kind of uh, camera work and shooting right. and the acting and everything, but this one, the acting and everything was was pretty good. And I mean, it wasn't top end like the the next one we're going to review. I think with a with a larger budget, bigger stars and everything, but it, it wasn't all the way down. And I like the Fred the Hammer and Jim Brown and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, movies yeah. Jim Kelly, but uh, this one was kind of in the middle.
1: Cool. Well, I guess we can get into our ratings here. Um, I like this one quite a bit. Um, I agree with you. It does. It it did get a little muddled, I guess, because of the... I guess it just wasn't clear about how the big like story-driving grift actually worked. Um, but it was universally well-acted. I mean, everybody that needed to be strong was. Uh, the cop was a bastard, and um, I really liked blue and, and white folks quite a bit. I thought they were very good. Um, I give this... I'm glad I saw it. I'd give this a a seven point (laughs) two (laughs) five.
2: Oh, uh, I go. I got. I. I'm I'm gonna go a little bit lower. Oh, Uh, not because it's good, but it's not. Six point two five. Six point two five. Yeah, I, and the, uh, like I said, I, I, I when I was watching it, I um, I mean I, uh, I just did, I just didn't think it was great.
1: Okay, you know the um, I I think for me it was the the performances were enough to make it a nice solid three star kind of movie. So
2: that was well, now if we were going by stars, five star,
1: five stars. Okay, great.
2: Uh, wait, wait a minute, out of how many? Fourteen. So. 6.25 stars
1: <laughs> cool uh, why don't we take a break and come back and review another movie maybe we'll do maybe, a hundred, we across the 110th a street sound good
2: okay that sounds like a good one
1: all right maybe I go watch it real quick we'll be right back
2: that Charlie Chan
1: yes we'll be right back
0: Just really It's isn't. not visually striking.
3: No. no
1: just just getting confirmation. It's just that's the third time though. I mean I is this on. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could f
3: any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer
1: is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody <laughs> He looks like somebody you can keep, keep a secret.
3: Of blood, something
1: in the sky. No crickets for Bowie. Alright. <clears throat> Next movie of the day. Across 110th Street. 1972. Two New York City cops go after amateur crooks who are trying to rip off the mafia and start a gang war. Nice, succinct. Uh synopsize this week. There's a character in this, according to IMDb, called Black Whore.
2: Yeah! I I remember her. Wait a Uh, minute. Was that last night?
1: Yes. Zom! Let's hear a little bit about Across 110th Street.
0: Across 110th Street. I did put that
1: on here. Maybe we can play that. Here we go.
0: Yeah!
2: Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, did you know that Mel, what's his name, that was in the last movie, was a third degree black belt in Aikido and opened up his own dojo?
1: Really? Yeah. Aikido is one martial art that if I ever got the money to do it, and that's really the only thing that's ever, that's held me back from taking a martial art as an adult was the, the fact that it costs so much a month. But Aikido is one of the few one of the few that I would do, just because it's it's it's, it's interesting. I, I would like I, I like the whole uh,
2: drop a motherfucker on your head.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so anyway, this movie um, it stars Anthony <laughs> and Yafet Koto, and also Anthony. Franciosa. Okay, so those are some pretty big names for that for that period of time. Now, oh, y'all yeah. said Koto was just an up and comer. He was young in this motherfucker. Uh, but I will say this:
0: yeah, okay. I love this movie. It was good. Yes. Okay,
2: so now um, memories of this movie—they're not real vague. But I did take a sleeping pill right before we started this, and uh, <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to pull it all together, because in probably about a half an hour, I'm going to be in bed. Okay. <laughs> you have Bert Young who played Paul.
1: Yeah. Lee. I was like, I was saying, I was like noticing that because I think Burt Young, he played Lapidus Lop- or something in this. Yeah. Like, he doesn't he even have the anymore.
2: shortest, thickest fingers. Oh, yeah. They show him counting money and he's counting real fast. He's a, <laughs> he's a, a mafioso guy. But I mean, I'm telling you what, his <laughs> fucking fingers, each one of them were like sauce. I mean, like fucking like turds, man. They were big and fat, but they were short. I uh, think. I okay. think.
1: I can't. I don't know who's been in more movies yet, not featured on our show. Al Al Leung or Burt Young.
2: Yeah. Well, now now he does. His part isn't that long.
1: No, it isn't at all. He's he I I did it for like two a minutes. Word. No, he doesn't. He says. He says.
2: <laughs> um, but the deal that here's the his deal. See. Um, You have uh, basically a, oh, what do you call it? Uh, Not laundering money, but uh, there's a meeting place between these thugs, Dig, and.
1: Mafia type, uh, see? uh, They're meeting up in Harlem, Daddy.
2: Collecting up some money, you know, and they're putting the money on the table. And the mafiosos coming down to collect. Or up. Coming up. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, this all took place in Harlem too, and they, and it was shot in Harlem. So anyway, what's going on here is you got some uh, low budget gangsters uh, who are going to who decide, sort of like in um, Killing Them Softly, uh, they decide. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got these uh, mafia types uh, coming to Harlem. To collect money from their African American counterparts that work for them, it's kind of chain the chain of command. See, yep. and uh, so then you got uh, uh, three kind of thuggish uh, individuals who are operating outside of the uh, the uh, criminal conspiracy uh, hierarchy, and they they think to themselves, okay, they got word somehow that there was going to be this uh, this uh, cash uh, pickup. So they decide that, you know, instead of going and robbing a bank, we'll just go rob these fuckers. They're criminals and they're, you know, uh, uh, we can get away with it. See? Okay, now you had uh, a, a, an actor that I have always liked uh, by the name of Paul Benjamin uh, who plays pretty much the the leader of the three – uh hooligans or mad dogs or whatever that are going to rob these these gangsters now you got to have a lot of nuts to rob these guys because these guys are fucking killers man
1: oh god the guy who's kind of one guy calls him he's he said he'll forever be an errand boy now what was his name in the movie he was
2: uh it tells anthony quinn
1: no 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 no. he you got the you got the guy that you got the black guy that runs like the garage or whatever and then right. you have the italian guy that always goes and sees him who's just a bastard i'm talking about the italian guy yeah um he's the other one that just fucking angered me through this whole movie because
2: anthony franciosa he was yes. a jerk man oh, he's he plays so a racist he just throws the n-word around like like nothing and i'm not talking about behind their backs i'm talking right to their face yeah like, yeah Boy and all this shit and all that old crap. So, anyway, Paul Nick, Benjamin Nick is. Salvio is
1: his name in the movie. Yeah.
2: He 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 breaks in with his buddy and they are dressed like cops. New York, uh, street cops of that time, which they wear like these big long kind of uh, coats to keep them warm, or whatever. And he's got a machine gun. And the other guy, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's kind of the one of the reasons I like the movie is, um, that uh there's some depth there it's not like these guys just come up and start robbing the place the one guy is really fucking nervous and is fu- is fucking up and almost shit in his pants and everything else yeah and i
1: love i love the way they did that intro scene because it's it's uh it's it's messy everywhere which uh-huh. is, it was very realistic because it's like i mean there's nervous guys everybody's sweating there's they just keep making mistakes left and right
2: and um uh, and then you have um Antonio Vargas, who is, played Huggy Bear on uh, uh, Starsky and Hutch, and also El Gato Negro in uh, Florida Straits with Fred Ward. Okay. <laughs> and he is the driver of the of – the, he drives the getaway car. So they're going to go up. And the thing is, I would uh, imagine – now, see, I, uh, this was just up to speculation, but they came in there and didn't have masks on or anything. So to me, because of that, I would think that they were planning on pretty much uh, not leaving any witnesses because how could they expect to take – and it was $300,000. How could they expect to get this money and take off? Because there were – like I said, half the room was was, uh, African-American gangsters and the other half were the Italian gangsters. So you knew somebody was going to recognize them or know who they were. Right. So it almost seemed what well, didn't almost seem like it, it ended up being a kind of a, uh, a, a thing where uh, people start shooting and it all goes down that way. But looking back on it, the fact that they weren't wearing any mask or anything, I'm like, OK, was was um, uh, Jim Harris was Paul Benjamin and he's. Uh, an African American actor, and it talks like this in <laughs> every role, but he's good. I like him though. But um, he, I wonder if he didn't have it all p- kind of planned out that he was going to do that anyway. So anyway, um, you get to see what looked like uh, Antonio Vargas was driving the probably the the oldest piece of shit. <laughs> uh, uh getaway car it looked almost like either a yellow cab that was all rusty it wasn't yellow though it was all black just black and rust yeah. but it almost looked like a 55 Chevy or something but it was a piece of shit now this movie's 19 what 72 yep so the car was like a 1950s car but uh and then and and like you said it wasn't like everything went off smooth it was really really uh just an exercise in errors even when they were leaving uh, they're dressed like cops. Real cops come. And and that's another thing about this movie. Um, really, there was only – I think in my opinion, there was only one character that was totally uh, – like a, a a hero or a guy that that wasn't uh, tainted in some way and some of this, and even though i ended up empathizing with a, a lot uh with the guys that that um pulled off the heist you had to keep i i kind of kept reminding myself okay wait a minute i think it was because they were being hunted and because the uh italian guy uh uh, Tony Francioso uh, was such an asshole and such a racist mm-hmm, dick. Mm-hmm. and then even the african American um, uh, gangsters, some of them that uh were working for him were also really fucking assholes that and, and I think it 's because they showed the the you know the Jim Harris character with his girlfriend and her taking care of him and stuff like that that you only, and and he was they were really poor. They lived in a really shitty area. And you're thinking, okay, you know, their thing was they just wanted to get out of there. They just wanted to, you know, they didn't have a chance, so they wanted to do this. And they're actually ripping off bad men. But then you also have to remember, okay, they killed some fucking innocent cops uh, that were just happening right, right. the scene. So, you know, he they were not, you know, innocent and they were not good uh he was good in some ways because he loved his woman and he wanted to you know he he all the shit had been put on was him. She, was she black whore I don't think so i was probably just somebody in the bar well, you know well i don't know cuz she was in the bar and that one guy came up and was like you going to be bringing your ass down you know blah blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. he was selling her ass or whatever and uh, and his thing to her was uh you know one of these days when They don't have any money or they don't have any food or something like that. She's going to have to do that, and he's going to want her to, and he didn't want it to get to that point. He didn't want her to have to be a prostitute and shit like that because that was his woman. Now, when all that shit goes down, of course because some cops get killed, real cops – uh, you know the police are, get involved in and everything and, and you're introduced to Anthony Quinn who is a captain of the police department and he's Italian. Uh, and But that's one thing right at first I was like, well, wait a minute. They said Anthony Quinn was a captain and then he, you're introduced to Yafet Koto uh, but they said he was a lieutenant but he said, I'm in charge of this. And I'm like, well, why would he be in charge if the captain is there? Well, then there's this friction yep. because first of all, Yafet koto is african-american and he's young he's new nobody knows him they just brought him in to that to that uh, precinct or whatever to work this case because it involved African Americans in Harlem so they thought you know it would be a public relations thing to have him do it plus they were thinking okay he might be able to relate to them more and he was like well wait a minute all they're gonna see is a they're not gonna see you know talk to me because I'm African American, they're just going to see a, a badge, and it's not going to be any different. Or I think Anthony Quinn might have said that, but anyway, Anthony Quinn's character—he's an older guy, he's getting close to retirement, and so he kind of looks at this like, "Wait a minute, you know, I've been doing this shit down here forever, breaking cases and everything. Why are you bringing this new guy in?" And there's that friction there. So you get um, you get to see. Like the methods mm-hmm. that are used. And Quinn's uh, really old school and um, like interrogating prisoners or, or uh, suspects and stuff like that. He's the kind of cop that would use the rubber hose or, you know, hit him with a phone book or punch him and stuff and make him confess and everything. And Yafit Kota is kind of the newer type cop. And he's like, you know, he doesn't go for that. But still, there's the the thin blue line where, he isn't going to like go and say, oh, he was punching the suspect or whatever. Or he was doing this. But it still bothered him. You could tell. So you have um, the the Anthony Franciosa character, uh, which fu- I think it's funny. His name was Henry uh, – no, that's Antonio Vargas. The pills are kicking. I can't fucking see. <laughs> Nick DeSalvo. He's the brother-in-law of this mafia guy. And so um, he they tell him, you could tell they were at like a christening or a wedding or something like that, and they were at a reception at somebody's house. And you could kind of tell that he wasn't included uh, uh, with the, the top mafia guys, because when this heist goes down and $300,000 is lost, then uh, some, one of the one of the mafia guys comes to that house, goes in and gets with the, the, the higher up guys. And he's standing over in the corner. He's telling him, you know, you couldn't hear him, but I'm sure he was saying, you know, we got ripped off, blah, 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 blah. And Franciosa keeps like coming over and they're just like, you know, don't really want to say anything in front of him or they, 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 he was kind of, I think more kept at arm's length. And then when they decided, okay, we need somebody to find out who's, this is going to be a kind of a shit job, but we need somebody to go down there and find out what's going on. They give it, They throw him a bone and and he'll say I'll do it I'll do it so he acts like an especially uh, uh, big dickhead because I'm telling you what man he was a jerk
1: God he was a piece of shit
2: (laughs) (laughs) but um so there look the 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 three guys that um, are that pulled off the heist of course like a lot of movies or a theme to a lot of movies you know they they say okay we're gonna split up. And, uh, and 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 uh, it would be almost like in a lot of these movies where they would tell somebody, okay, we're going to split, but we can't spend any of the money. Sit on the money because, you know, the first thing, if you start spending it, you know, they're going to know who did it or whatever. And they don't come out and actually say that, but you know that's what it is. And then, of course, Huggy Bear or Antonio Vargas, who plays Henry J. Jackson, the driver, he he just is like pig in shit. You know, he's all of a sudden he's got money. <laughs> and he's going and blowing it, and he's got a bunch of... They had some ass shots uh, where he's having almost like an orgy and shit like that with these girls. And they're like, what would you get all that money? And he's like, oh, fucking shit, man. Whatever.
1: He's going nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was. He was going berserk. And um, so, of course, that's a direct line. Plus, it's it's um almost like the other movie um, where... You know, people hear this, people hear that, and all they have to do is go and start asking questions. Who's been throwing money around? Who's been doing this? Who's been doing that? And it's almost like a direct line. He might as well just be dropping breadcrumbs for, for the for the criminals and the cops.
1: Yeah, it's something and, they do really cool in this, though. By the way, because you have you have these three guys that have done done the I guess the the small time heist. But then you and then you have the cops trying to track them down and the criminals, and they they both have their own ways of doing things. So it's kind of like that's like the tension of the whole thing is who's going to get to these guys first, and that's what I really that's that that part was really good about
2: it. It's like two factions coming together, but you had two factions: the cops and the criminals. But then you also had three factions of criminals. You had the low budget guys that were. Uh, that, that pulled the stuff off that are just basically poor guys. They actually have jobs and stuff, but they're just poor. And, and they're trying to find a fucking way out of this, um, squalor and, you know, they're destitute. And I mean, at that time, Harlem looked, I mean, it was really bad. I mean, it just, it, it looked horrible. Um, and then you had the, um, African American, uh, criminals who were working hand in hand with the Italian mafia guys, and there was a friction there because uh the one guy who was the head of um and I can't remember what his name was he was the head of the um african American faction of the of the kind of african American i guess organized crime guys and he was like almost saying you know who the to the to the italian uh, mafia guy, he was saying, you know, you know, who do you think you are? You know, I run things down here and everything. And that guy just basically put him in his place. He said, You fucking run things down here just because we let you run things. You know, th- he was basically telling him there's a, there's a chain of command. You might be the king of all the black guys here, but to us, you're still just a, uh, you know, right, right. Uh, and that was so,
1: awesome with his comeback to him.
2: Yeah. Well, then, then you have, um, a, a reveal at one point uh, with the Anthony Quinn character and his dealings with these. See, he, he had worked this precinct for so long that even like when they would bring people in for sus as suspects and stuff, he'd be like, I know that guy. I know this guy. You can't fucking believe shit he says. That guy there, let him go. He's all right. And this guy and that guy. But he, so he knew all of them. They all knew him. But then you have a reveal at a certain point. Where how some of them actually actually do know him, which is an it, it almost embarrass it doesn't almost embarrass him it does embarrass yeah, him
0: yeah.
2: It's he's trying to you know he's got Yafet Kodo uh, running this case and he's seeing him as this young up and comer and and he's wanting to say you know God we don't need this fucking guy coming in here and and I think there was a certain some of it was prejudice. But also some of it was uh, job security. He wants to prove himself. And he's saying, you know, why why are we having to do this? You know I'm good. You know I can find out who this is. And so then when it's revealed actually in front of Yafet Kodo, this stuff, uh, and he's kind of put in the same position, he says, you know, uh, he basically s- s- still is idealistic and young and idealistic and a crusader and he's, and he's going to follow the right path. Right. And, and there's one scene where Quinn kind of says to him, you know, you're young, you're saying that now, but when you get to be my age or whatever, things will change after you've seen so much. Uh, so I liked all that. And, um, um, the, like it, it is a time capsule and, uh, they like they said they did shoot it in Harlem. They said something in 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 uh, what I was reading about. They used like a blimp cam, and I, I don't think it was like a Goodyear blimp, like a big blimp, but it was probably like almost like a remote control thing because it said something about a a camera and it was light enough that they. And I think what it was was there was some uh, some uh, a chase scene.
1: Well the rooftop stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah, and uh, instead of having a helicopter, I thought it said something about a blimp cam. Now, that, that just like in the last movie where they had the chase where they're going up and down fire escapes and, and doing stuff like that was uh, was pretty cool. And I did like the way they shot it. Um, the um, the um, Jim Harris, the Paul Benjamin character, uh, the scenes where he was opening up with a fucking machine gun at the beginning <laughs> – was awesome. I really like that man. He was cutting loose, and you did have a scene uh, which was thrown in there where um, um, there's a a car that uh, basically wrecks on the street, and you see what I get. You know, it's the stunt man climbing out of the car, and the car catches on fire, and then subsequently it explodes. It, 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 he's climbing out of it, and he catches on fire. So it's a stunt man in a fire suit. But it,
1: what a fucking stunt that was!
2: It, you look close, of course, you could see that he had like something over his face and his hands and stuff. But he gets out, and he's on, he's on fire, which is you know, you've seen in other movies where it's a fire suit guy. Yeah. He starts to walk away, and the car explodes. And I mean, it was pretty fucking pretty good. Yeah.
1: That was I, that was. I don't know if somebody was. I kind of wondered if somebody was off set like timing that explosion or if he had to be like alright dude you got 30 seconds to get out of the car the shit's gonna
2: blow <laughs> in that thing you know we're really close I'm I <clears throat> hurt he might have I don't know but anyway um it, that for me that's you know kind of what uh, do you have anything
1: yeah the nope. um now, there, uh, there's a black caddy you see at the beginning, and the only thing I can think of as I'm watching this thing drive along is you could probably lie down flat or spread eagle in the trunk of it. <laughs> it's it's a two-door caddy, but I swear the trunk is as long as the fucking body of the car. It was really, really... Uh, the. And uh, I also was thinking as I was watching it drive, I was like, man, there was a lot less parking in New York probably in the 70s because the cars are <laughs> twice the size as they are now. Um, The... um you know you you mentioned the um there's a i, I love a lot of, a lot of love uh sorry, I love a lot of the lines in this, but the um the part you know when uh Quinn is becoming to the realization or being forced to come to the realization that he's gonna have to be kind of second in command because of p r stuff for this this case um the guy giving him the news says you know I make peace with my reality, you're gonna have to make peace with yours, and I love when Anthony Quinn's responses what's his name? Because, like, he already knew, he already got his name twice (laughs) and he asked it again, which I thought was, which is a nice touch. Um, the, uh, you know, when, uh, you say Huggy Bear, when he, when he's having his, when he's getting ready to go out the first time, first he's spraying on Afro Sheen. He's got this, (laughs) Afro Sheen, I forgot about that. He's got this ridiculous suit made out of, like, colorful patches and he fucking, like, dumps on about a quart of cologne, man. He just, like, (laughs) He's dream. I
2: remember they used to have commercials for Afro Sheen when uh, Soul Train would be on on the uh, Saturday afternoon.
1: I only, rem- yeah, yeah, I only, I only remember it being sold in the grocery store. I don't remember the commercials for it, but I remember uh, I used to watch Soul Train, so it's something surprising. But I, I was watching Soul Train in the '80s though, so it might have been a little different. But um, I love, I really liked the scene a lot when Koto uh, walks in on Anthony Quinn beating up that one guy. And, um, you know, he's, Koto's, like, they're just yelling at each other. And both of them are very good. Like, I don't know. There's not a lot of guys that play like Surly Bastard better than Anthony Quinn. <laughs> I think that might no, have just been. I think been. Anthony
2: Quinn, isn't he? I always thought he was um, of Mexican descent.
1: Is he? He plays, I mean, he just, he always plays like this, like, this, like, gruff, angry old man very well. I mean, even back as far as La Strada, even then he was just like, fuck, you know, he's just like grumpy and...
2: He was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, there you during go. During the Mexican Revolution. What's
1: his name? What's uh, his real Antonio name?
2: Antonio Rodolfo Quinn Oxaca. There you go.
1: But, um, you know, Quinn's yelling at him that he's sick of his liberal bullshit and Cotto's yelling at him to go back to 1940. I thought that was a really, really great scene. Um, when the bastard De Salvia, uh Attacks Huggy Bear in the bar. He fucking breaks a glass in his face. Yeah, and
2: that was brutal, man. He rubs it in. Uh, 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 the the um oh his reaction when he smashed that glass. Oh in his my face. god! I mean, you know that would have to just be horrifying. and hurt, you know. First of all, it just mutilates you. But but not only that, um, uh, just. I mean, your eyes, and I mean, just smash it in your fucking face.
1: Wah-ah. Oh god, it was brutal. The um, and then they, to, not to top themselves, but then they take another guy in a in a laundry and steam press his face, mm. which is pretty fucking r- brutal too. That's when I wrote, "Italian guy is such a bastard."
2: Yeah, he was a jerk.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the I really like the. We, we call it black exploitation, but the non-exploitative way that race issues are handled in this movie, um, I like the relationship that Quinn and Cotto form. Even though, even though I don't, I don't think you ever get that Quinn is reformed. I think he gets a respect for Cotto's mm-hmm. character at some point. Um, it was kind of funny seeing the way they used to have to. F- pull files and stuff that fucking rotating. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This room just full of these rotating file racks where all, all they have now is a fucking like Dell sitting in the corner. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that and that stunt that guy bursting into flames and crawling out of that car that explodes was really impressive. But um, the guy with the machine gun was always like I I, I really liked the way they handled that whole um, that the whole the whole I guess chase scene at the end and the ultimate thing that happens with it kind of you know it was a little it might have been a little ham like ham a little bit you know heavy fisted when heavy handed i guess with the um with what would end up happening at the very end but oh I, yeah, yeah i still liked it
2: <laughs> it was surprising yeah yeah it surprised me
1: but um you know i thought it was pretty cool so but i liked this movie a lot like this is I don't know why it took me so long to see this. And, me but,
2: neither. I mean, it, has, it I think it was on Netflix Instant for a long time.
1: It's on Amazon and, Prime right now. Yeah, I'd see I'd see
2: it all the time and I don't know why I just never I never got around to watching it. And, I, and after I watched it, I was like, "Fuck, man, this was, you know, right up there with some of the good cop movies of the time.
1: The DVD must be out of print cuz people are selling it for like 30 bucks on Amazon." I, so. I can eat a dick. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway, we can get our ratings here.
2: Oh, let's see, I would give this an eight point five. I thought it was really good. I I I'm a big fan of like French Connection and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, police procedurals and stuff like that at the time. Good, a good gritty cop movie, and this was gritty. And and I, I just liked the fact that nothing was uh, uh it wasn't like um, uh, you had the wisecracking cops that. You know, hate each other at first, but then they get. You know, uh, 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 but it, it was like uh, it, was, it lot, was just gritty and, it was and a lot more nasty.
1: Yeah, it was a lot yeah, more complex, complex than that. The uh, this was great. Yeah, I gave it an eight point five. Also, um, this is a this is a buy if you haven't seen this. Well, maybe not for thirty bucks, but watch it on Amazon Prime at least. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely, highly recommend this one. It's pretty great, and the soundtrack. Is really fucking good too. So, Bobby Womack. And I was saying to I was saying to Zom off the air that uh, you know last week I said that the about movies that I like that I actually like the themed song like the named song after it and that Ghostbusters was the only one I could think of. Um, but I thought of a few more. But this is gonna be, this is added to the list too because I knew the song I never seen the movie but now I like the song and the movie both and. Um, uh, Rita Sue and Bob 2. That's
0: Bob <laughs> 2.
1: <laughs> but uh, cool. Double 8.5s. High recommend. Yes. Um, let's take a break again and come back and do a little feed sack. We'll be right back. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Do you like podcasts where a guy talks about movies? Not that very encouraging, but okay. You should tune into Justin Oberholter's Film Wave, where each week I review a couple of movies and whatever else comes to mind. Now, does that sound good? <laughs> really? What if I got you a celebrity endorsement?
3: Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone. Listen to Justin Oberholter's Film Wave. This guy's the cinematicist. He watches all the films that star Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> ah,
0: much better. Tune in to Justin and Wiltson's Film Rape. Go to freakingawesomeatwork.com or filmrape.bluetson.com or subscribe on iTunes. Alright! Get ready! Here we go! A little by blue can blow up your hand The sheeps in
1: the
3: meadow and the cows in the
0: car
3: Aye,
0: aye. aye. The boy who looks after the sheep is under the haystack with little bogey. Bye, Aha! Aha! Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Right up. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Right, name it game. Little Miss Muffet sat on the tuffet, and her knickers all tattered and torn. It wasn't a spider sat on beside her with little by blue with the arm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right on. Here we go.
3: Tickety tucka, tickety
2: tucka. Yeah, but I don't
1: know about the music this week.
3: Yeah.
2: What the hell?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, feed
2: sack. Yeah. Burp.
1: Burp. Here, let's play this instead. It's take a hand to All
0: right.
1: Um. Oh, we got an email from Davy Mac was writing us about you know uh, last week i had the question about the guns not firing after they got wet so he has uh he's gonna fill in the blanks there i better stop this because it'll start playing something else all right uh hey fellers this is your listener dave from texas i thought i'd write in to answer mr Lowe's question concerning firearms and water from the snake eater review oh that was two weeks ago Uh, While I'm not a tea bagger, at least in the political sense, I feel somewhat qualified to speak on the issue. uh, Modern firearms and ammunition will function when wet. Shit, modern gunpowder has oxidizers in it, so that shit will burn in space. As Ah. you said, a firearm is just a mechanical device. It's a good idea to keep them dry and clean, just not to impede their function. Uh, You brought up that incredible sequence in No Country for Old Men where Josh Brolin clears his pistol as that dog is charging him. What he's doing there is clearing the barrel and the magazine of possible obstructions. Not just water, but whatever else shit might have uh, been in that river. Sticks, mud, whatever. If you fire a gun with an obstructed barrel, you basically have an an improvised explosive device. That's a bit of of detail that McCarthy wrote in the book. It sure is one tense, scary-as-hell moment and a great character bit. That Moss has the presence of mind to do that under stress shows that he ain't no spring flower. To extend that thought to other films, in the big red one and any number of World War II films, you see characters putting condoms over their rifle barrels before the amphibious assault on D-Day. They're just keeping shit out of their gun to make sure it goes bang when it needs to. That's it. I hope it reads clear and not too nerdy. Love the show. Gun nerd. Oot. Dave. Um it's pretty nerdy. I've read uh, No Country for Old Men and probably it, that movie is one of maybe even one of my favorite of all time. I like the book even more. And uh I totally forgot about that. <laughs> mm. I, I totally forgot that he described that. So I'm gonna have to read that book again. I really liked it a lot.
2: Llewellyn. Have,
1: have you read any McCarthy? Cormac McCarthy? That. Yeah. Well
2: World War Z. I read that.
1: Yeah. Um his uh, the roads really fucking good too. Uh, what?
2: I hated that fucking movie.
1: Did you? Papa, papa, papa.
2: You, eat a dick. I'd have let. I, I would have let those fucking people eat my kid if he would. If he was that fucking annoying. What an annoying little twat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Heartless Zom. Um, next, I guess of some, some uh, familiar feed sack. Here we go.
3: Hey. There go. The Oh, okay. So, you had that fucking loud ass fucking potato chip muncher, Steven Seagal, <laughs> going to your head, whining like a little bitch about sliding fucking his muscles. Now, you know, fucking Steven Seagal, he fucking could have been in the greatest action movie of all time. You know, I was thinking about it, but been. Expendables. I don't like him, but, you know, the fans were have to see him <laughs> in there. I don't know why, because he's not the same level as the rest of the guys in Expendables, you know. Again, even Stone Cold's better than Cigal, you know, fucking hell. And, you know, that reminds me, it's like, rather than being in Expendables, what's what Seagal what is, like, reduced to. He's reduced to appearing in movies with Stone Cold Steve Austin is, you know, fucking hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just fucking funny shit, man. You know, he's going all about his it, fucking badass and shit. But, you know, so I say, have you seen my Rambo movies? You know, the greatest action movies of all time, you know. fucking, yeah, my fucking John Rambo. And I got all my muscles on my fucking big guns. And I'm at, like, in the fucking forest shooting up shit and fucking beating guys up. That's my fucking life. That is a fucking... That's not a fucking movie. That's me. That's what I fucking do when I'm not working out. I'm fucking in the woods. I'm fucking beating up guys. I'm shooting up big guns. You know, I got my big dick and fucking big guns and my muscles. You fucking... you. Fucking cigar! What you do? You sit around fucking showing potato chips in your face, you know? When I fucking looked into getting him on the expendables movie, I decided not to because he wanted he wanted us to spend a thousand dollars a day on potato chips. <laughs> what the fuck is that all about? You know? He's a fucking pig, man. What a fucking slob! <laughs> you should be fucking ashamed of yourself, man. You're a fucking you know fucking action hero. Fuck you. No, <laughs> uh I just wanna clarify, so if you a few people have been talking about it, you know, people found me fucking on the the advert for uh just the film rape, you know, the fucking Easter masochist. You know, I I can uh I can't confirm or deny the billions of dollars that he paid me to appear in that advert, you know. Fucking, you know, me, we're tight, you know, me and Justin. You know, he calls in, he fucking to silver, and gold, occasionally. Not as often the slide, not as good as slide. Cause slides the fucking. Are you sure? Make the best fucking voicemails of all time. Um, you know, so you know, whether he paid me a million dollar, so billion dollars, it doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, I fucking, I remember what happened to uh, uh plenty which shares, you know. It's a funny little story. You know, fucking, when we sold that shit, we sold it to uh Judge and Florida and Nicholas Cage. You know, them fucking, they're not as popular as Sly and Otter and Bruce. And they wanted to fucking take it over and fucking turn it into, like, a fucking theme park or some shit. <laughs> There'd be two bits, like, one for Travolta fucking fans and one for Cage fans. And in the middle, there's a big room, you know, fucking where you go and eat. And depending on which entrance you go in, you put in the fucking mask of the other guy. I fucking, I'm getting a bit confused with this shit. But this is what they fucking wanted to do. So if you fucking charge a voter you put a Nicolas Cage mask on. Like, fucking, they did some fucking movie where they swapped faces. And so they fucking... They wanted to fucking have a restaurant based around all this shit, you know? It's fucking weird, man. Why would I want someone else's face? I'm sly. I got my own face. I don't want fucking John Travolta's face, you know? He's a fucking... Fucking weirdo. But, yeah, that's what they were fucking gonna do. I don't know why it fucking happened to that. But, yeah, that's fucking one of the weird fucking blads. They're fucking both crazy guys, you know? Yeah, fucking weird... Anyway, fucking, you know, I've been working out, feeling good. The sun's shining, fucking, you know, my dick's big. Fucking, <laughs> it's all good. No, so, you fucking guys, you fucking, come on down. Fucking, let's walk out. You know, I keep asking you to come down to Hollywood. Fucking go ask where Slyle is, you know, they'll show you. Come on, come and ring on my door. Ask come in my basement. You Fucking, you, you know, we'll get worked worked out, pumped up. You fucking... Good times. I'm feeling good today. You know, it's all good.
1: Ugh. 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 Sweet. Well, sly in response to uh, to old Seagal there. <clears throat> Sorry, Seagal.
2: Seagal.
1: I still want potato chips, though. I haven't had any. I did get these awesome, or my wife bought them. I don't, she didn't like them very much because they're a little, little spicy, I guess. But she got these pretzel chips that are cheddar and horseradish flavor and man they are fucking great <laughs> they will fucking you can feel the heat coming out of your nose they're really good
0: all right one more voicemail hey guys it's bernie sticky i uh, thought i'd give you a call and say uh, what's up homies yeah um which now i've said it, it's actually pretty embarrassing and stupid oh but there you go uh enjoyed last week's episode, even though um, you covered Rita, Sue and Bob 2, which um, I don't know what it is about that film, but I just have this pathological hatred of it. Um, I really don't know why, but I can't bear it. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed hearing uh, you guys talk about it. Uh, and also, Raining Stones, Ken Loach, that was an awesome pick by uh, Paul, because Ken Loach is probably one of the greatest filmmakers we've ever, ever produced over here in the UK, um, and weirdly enough, he, uh, I'm not sure if he lives in the same city I do, uh, but he is a big supporter of, uh, Bath football team or a uh, soccer team as you, um, you crazy yanks would, uh, refer to it. Um, <laughs> he's on the, uh, the board of directors apparently. Uh, and I do often see him around town. I actually saw him in a supermarket not so long ago. Uh, So yeah, that's me, um, Stalker of the Stars, (laughs) following Ken Loach around the supermarket and uh, throwing that long-haired hippie Robert Plant out of uh, my shop. (laughs) That's hilarious. So uh, there you go. Anyway, I hope all is good with you guys. Love the podcast. Um, You know, all that kind of good stuff. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Hope uh, hope Zom's feeling all right, maybe a little bit more positive than you have been of late. Uh, Don't forget, we all love you, Zom whatever and uh you know do what you gotta do man uh you don't owe us anything you don't have to entertain us you just need to um look after yourself all right and uh there you go loaf you're pretty cool as well
3: yeah for
0: a weird dude with a mustache i'm rambling now uh take care guys i'll speak to you soon cheers
1: he sounded a lot like statham again
2: sweet bernie sticky sweet thanks bernie I love you oh, I love the sticky but
1: not that kind of way yeah maybe that kind of way
2: yeah,
1: yeah. alright got a Magnificent Bastard episode next week we're doing a couple uh, Russ Myers
2: Russ uh, Myers
1: Magnificent Bastard Russ uh, we're gonna do Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens from 1979 uh, co-written by the late great uh, Roger Ebert yeah One of the one of the couple he worked on, and we're gonna do Up from nineteen seventy six. I believe Roger Ebert worked on this one too. Um, So a couple of uh, X rated comedies for you, Daddy O. Lots of big old boobies. I'm sure I haven't seen (laughs) either one of those. So. Like big movies. Lots of big old honkers. Uh, you can always send us feedback to 206 339 1600 or silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes on silvaandgold.com and on Stitcher. Um yeah and we'll join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash group slash silva and gold. And I've never really mentioned it, but you can follow me on Twitter at Pickleloaf10. And what's your pick? What's your, what's your Twitter? I think you've been on there like twice, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, um, <laughs> I don't post a lot on there, but um, yeah. So if you, if you have Twitter and not Facebook, contact me on there if you ever want to talk. I'm around. I do get the responses. So yeah. And you get to see all the shit I'm watching because my miso posts go there. Um, so, that's about it. I'm going to go wash my stanky armpits and ass and uh, maybe take a nap and get some food. We've got a short show this week. Nice and succinct. Feels good. It's hot in here. I'm stinky. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Psalm, do you have anything else this week, sir? No, no, no. no. Nothing else. Som's passing out. Until next week, this is loaf.
2: Oot. And it's oot.
1: Bye.
0: Hmm.